0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Packages to homes than anyone else in the country. The United States Postal Service. Priority you. KCBS Newstime, 530. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth. We're glad you're with us once again on KCBS In-Depth. I'm Jane McMillan. California's colleges are on the front lines of many social issues. Diversity, combating sexual assault, financial inequality. And the latest is higher education's response to the Trump administration's rescinding of the DACA program. California has a high population of dreamers, young people brought to this country as children by undocumented parents. They've been raised here, and to qualify for DACA, they're working or going to school. California's attorney general has vowed to protect the state's DREAMers, as has both the CSU and UC college systems, including suing the Trump administration. California's community colleges have also vowed support for DREAMers, with Chancellor Eloy Ortiz Oakley's statement that not only will community colleges remain open to everyone, regardless of legal status, but the system, he says, will advocate in Congress for a permanent solution to DACA. I had the chance to sit down with Chancellor Oakley as the new school year gets underway and find out more about the changing and critical role of community colleges in California. Chancellor Oakley, thank you very much for joining us on KCBS In-Depth. This is your first time with us.
1: It is, and thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. Gosh, we're at the beginning of a new school year, so this is the perfect time to talk about a critical piece of education, higher education infrastructure, and that is the California community college system. Give us a little thumbnail sketch of, of the system right now. How many campuses, how many students?
1: Sure. So to put it in perspective, uh, nearly one in five of every community college student in the nation is a California community college student. So that gives you an idea of the magnitude. So we're serving nearly 2.2 million students at 114 campuses throughout the state of California. We begin from a fundamental basis, and we're proud to say that we accept the top 100% of students in California. So we are open and available to anyone who wants to begin their higher learning. And our job is to provide a clear pathway to that educational goal. So given the nature of today's economy, uh, the need for some sort of post-secondary credential, that means something beyond the high school diploma, has become critical, not only to get into a well-paying, uh, good job, but you know we've seen that, most of the jobs that are being created today and in the future are going to require some sort of credentials. So we're very focused on that aspect. We're very focused on the fact that we have become sort of the economic and social mobility engine of California. And the kinds of people that we reach in 114 communities, they're the ones who need us the most right now because in order for them to participate in the economy, they need some sort of credential. Our job is to create those credentials that mean something to employers, that means something to our students and then help them get into a better job and create a better life.
0: What would you say the percentage of students are? I'm mean, i sure it changes from region to region and campus to campus, but as a pathway into a four-year university versus maybe technical skills with which one could take um, an AA degree and then go into the workforce? We
1: have probably somewhere in the range of about a third of our students who are really focused on transferring to a university, and that's your traditional students, students coming to us from high schools or students coming out of the military or students who have been in the workforce for one or two years after high school. They're interested in going on getting their their bachelor's degree, and we provide them an excellent opportunity to do that, to get into the CSU, to get into the University of California or another private university. But what we're finding is more and more students are coming to us for the opportunity to gain some sort of skill that will allow them to earn a better living. Really, even the students who are transferring are interested in a skill. They're interested in translating that skill into an opportunity to get a job. And yes, along the way, they'll receive a a higher degree, but whether they are English learners wanting to get a better uh, grasp of English so that they can get a a better job, or a mid-career professional who knows that they're Particular industry is changing. They want to come to us and get a, uh, a different kind of skill, so that's where the majority of our students are now. Somewhere in that spectrum,
0: you know, the four-year university uh, universities always have the the quandary or the the uh, discussion uh, of whether it's classroom or hands-on or what percentage are we talking about theory are we talking about learning a technical trade and and at some universities uh, there there is the feeling that it should be much heavier on the theory and much heavier uh, rather than a hands-on learning something the community colleges don't seem to have that I don't want to call it a moral uh, argument with itself but it seems much clearer that that this is um, a goal
1: right it is certainly clearer but it's not completely clear at all of our colleges. We're still struggling with that balance as well. What part of the learning should provide sort of this fundamental um, uh, platform uh, so that people coming to our colleges are just come out as better people? For example, are there courses that everybody should take that helps them be a better citizen or participate more meaningfully in society? Versus what specific skills. our students need in order to participate in the economy so we're always having that discussion as well and certainly our job is to focus on those aspects those skills that not only help our students get into a good paying job but also help our employers find the workforce that they need in order to be successful here in california
0: there's always the question of accessibility and uh in the height of the recession Uh, When so many folks were losing their jobs and so many people were trying to get into community colleges to retrain or recertify in something new, Um, access was tough. Classes were impacted um, up and down the state. What's the current access level? I know that, you know, going back to uh, Governor Brown's father, Governor Brown, in the master plan of 1960, where uh, higher education would be open and available to all, Um, California has reaped the benefits of that over the decades with highly trained people and a workforce and an economy that other countries are envious of. But we're still talking about access and now the push for free higher education. Are we in a position in California where anyone can go to a community college? And what are the odds of free community college education around the state?
1: So um, there's a couple of answers to that question. First and <clears throat> foremost, uh, we've been very fortunate that the governor and the uh, legislative leadership have been very supportive of community colleges in the last five years. And particularly with the economy being in, in pretty decent shape, our colleges have, um, have recovered from the recession. Along the way, though, we came to realize that as we're improving our access again, Uh, We recognize that uh, the goalpost has moved. So now employers are demanding, and this economy is demanding, that our students have some sort of credential. So along the way, not only has access become, again, important, but now more important or as important is not just access, but students completing a credential. So that's where we've faced our challenges, because we have a lot of students who have gained access, but are taking three, four, five, sometimes six years to complete their educational goal. And that's what we need to change. And if we can change that equation, we can also open it up more access. We also need to look at other ways of delivering education. We know that technology is continuing to change. You know, the, the, the kids in kindergarten today are going to grow up with a very different expectation about how they interact with learning and technology than our kids do today. We have to be able to keep up with that. So... This is a constant struggle. Uh, We're fortunate that um, the governor has invested quite heavily in our colleges, and we're trying to take this opportunity to rethink what our colleges are going to look like in 5, 10, 15 years and to begin to make that movement necessary to be able to be there when our kids come to us uh, with a very different expectation.
0: If we're talking about access, at least here in the Bay Area, you mentioned how long it takes to get through some programs that could be access class size could also be in this area because it is so expensive to live right. that precious few adults who have to pay rent and maybe have children or a family who are retraining or or just catching up on their education are able to go to school full time
1: right so that is one of the biggest challenges for our students in community colleges because there is a myth that community colleges are inexpensive Certainly we have the lowest tuition in the country, uh, and that's a great thing. Plus, with a very generous uh, fee waiver that we have in the state, I'd say probably nearly 60% of our students don't pay tuition. So we are nearly free today uh, in terms of tuition. And many communities, well over 50, have developed what we call College Promise programs to enhance that opportunity and to make it free for every student. The community I came from most recently, Long Beach, Uh, We have the Long Beach College Promise, which provides one-year free tuition to every student who graduates from a high school in the greater Long Beach area. So these are great things. But the challenge we have is that the cost of attending college is and remains high, whether in Long Beach or in San Francisco or in the city of Merced. It's expensive uh, to buy books, to have transportation, to pay for rent. That has become the true cost of education. So a recent study was done by the uh, Institute of College Access and Success that pointed out that it is more expensive to go to a community college in the Sacramento area than it is to go to UC Davis. Wow. And why is that? Because in the University of California system, we've done a much better job of providing all of the resources, financial resources necessary for a student to go full-time and to go to school. Community colleges have lagged behind. Less than uh, probably 12% of community college students are able to access the competitive Cal Grant system. So there are a number of obstacles that we've created financially that we need to rethink.
0: Why is that? Is it that those Cal Grants aren't available to community college students or that the students just don't know it? I mean, is it a public policy issue or is it just a communication issue?
1: It is uh, certainly a public policy issue. And if you think back to the master plan that you spoke of earlier, there, um, the community colleges were serving a much smaller slice of the population. There was not a need to go through community college to get into a good-paying job. You could get your high school diploma. So the nature of, of community colleges has changed. And the amount of people coming to us uh, and the way they come to us, many of them are working, so they go to school part-time, does not conform to the way that the Cal Grant system was created. The Cal Grant system was created to provide support for students going full-time to the CSU or the University of California. Because of the changes in the economy and the expectations now for our community colleges, we are having to rethink how that system was created and where does a community college student fit into that. And, And we recognize now that it's important to invest more money in the Cal Grant system if at all possible. So it's not only a public policy issue, it's now also a budget issue. How do we better finance our colleges so that more students can gain access to a quality credential as quickly as possible?
0: Does the California community college system have some ideas for the legislature on how that can be done?
1: Well, we've certainly laid out uh, some uh, thoughts in our strategic vision. Uh, We want to work with both the California Student Aid Commission, the legislature, this governor and whoever the future governor is to have these conversations about how do we take a look now at our state and the needs of our students and rethink how we finance them. Because if we truly want a more competitive workforce, we need to invest in that competitive workforce. And yes, we need to hold our colleges accountable for delivering, but we also have to put our students in a position where they can access our colleges and go full-time, so that they don't have to work part-time, because in some cases it makes no sense. It's more economically advantageous for a student to to get a little bit more aid and finish in two or three years than to go part-time, work at minimum wage, and take five to six years to finish. That's not good for the economy, and that's not good for the taxpayer, and that's certainly not good for that individual.
0: The other umbrella of um, the question of access you touched on a little bit, and that is the the class of the future. And I know the California Community College system has been among some of the first to embrace the idea of virtual classrooms or Internet learning. What's the percentage of in-class learning versus Internet or virtual reality learning now within the system?
1: Well, we, um, uh, through our online education initiative, we're in a position now where we have, you know, a good 30 percent of instruction happening online in one form or another, which is a, a great place to be. And certainly much further along than the California State University or the University of California system. So we're very proud of that. We have done some amazing work. Our faculty are really honing in on this. But as we do that, we have to continue to look down the road, you know, as As students get more and more comfortable with um, devices of all types, as we think about how we put information in the cloud and deliver that information, we have to think about how we're going to continue to repackage the information that we have and the learning we want students to have uh, in, in different formats to make it easier for students and to reach more students. Because at the end of the day, we're confined by physical capacity the way we're organized today, we have to find a way to transcend that physical capacity and reach many, many, many more students throughout California and many working age adults who, as we know from watching the news, there's a lot of people who, are, who feel disenfranchised or disconnected from the economy. And uh, you know, one of the best cures for that is having the skills necessary to get a good paying job. And that's what we wanna do.
0: If you're just tuning in, we are talking about California's community colleges. I'm here with the chancellor of the community college system, Eloy Ortiz-Oakley. I'm Jane McMillan. You mentioned just now the uh, physical capacity, the physical limits, and I wanted to touch back on that. I kind of started to ask and then got off track. Is there room, physical room, in the California community college system for every person that wants to go?
1: Right now, the way that we're organized and the way we're financed, the answer is no. However, within that um, uh, structure, there are ways that we could expand and continue to expand access. We have to find ways to better customize education for students of all types. And this has to transcend the traditional classroom environment. But at the end of the day, we will always need public investment in order to reach the greatest number of students. So we will continue to ask for more public investment as well.
0: Is the public willing to do that from what you've seen?
1: I think um, it's it's like many things. When you're in your local community and you see your local community college, you have great support for that local college because you can see the effect it has on the community. You can see the way it transforms lives. And for many people, they are have either interacted directly with their local community college or have a family member or friend that has. So at the local level, absolutely. We see uh, every measure that goes before the voters locally passes with flying colors throughout the state of California. The challenge we have is the relationship the voters have with Sacramento. And so how that translates into support to the local colleges is something that we need to bridge. But we absolutely feel that... uh, our communities love our colleges.
0: Explain for listeners how a lo- one local community can uh, work to make uh, tuition free for everyone mm-hmm. when it's a state system. Right. So, you know, San Francisco is saying mm-hmm. we're going to make community college free for everyone, but this is a state system. So how does it work from individual community to individual community?
1: Sure. So... Um one of the uh, the beauties of our system is that although um, we're a statewide system and we're funded through uh, statewide mechanisms, through tax collection, enrollment fees, uh, there's a lot of local control. So, for example, the San Francisco, City College of San Francisco has its own uh, independent governing board. They can go to the voters in their district uh, and uh, ask for a parcel tax to help. Offset the cost of certain um, uh, costs of education, or to build new facilities. So, so we have that that local uh, opportunity, but also we can go locally through philanthropy to donors in that community. So, the way many communities have done it, um, and Long Beach is one of them, is they've leveraged the state investment. So, the fee waiver that's already available to many low income students, they've leveraged that, went out to uh, local donors raise the money to cover the cost of education for everyone in that community. So even though it is a state system, our colleges are loved locally. So they, they have the ability to raise money for local students. And in doing that, I mean, we've been able to to see more than 50 communities take this approach.
0: And that is a, po- a positive thing when you think of more access, less cost for mm-hmm. a community to have people educated Philosophically, though, how how do you feel about a public education system that needs to solicit money from corporations, mm-hmm. have business partnerships? Are there influences that come from that? Um, you know, have we gotten away from right. just investing in the public good as a public entity, and we need these private entities to help along?
1: Well, this is a debate in all the segments of public higher education. I mean, from the University of California, CSU, community colleges... You see this certainly much more pronounced in the UC where you've seen tremendous uh, amounts of money raised for schools like UCLA or UC San Diego. Um, and the public investment in the UC has dropped dramatically over the last 10 years. Something very similar has been happening to the community colleges. Um, they're not immune from these changes in the economy. and. And the demands that we have on the, on the state's general fund continues to increase, whether that's healthcare, whether that's correction, whether that's, you know, what, whatever through proposition or through legislation we, we are asking the state to do. So that begins to crowd out the public dollar. We recognize that, and we certainly are gonna to continue to fight and try to convince the public that the best place to invest is in public education. We're gonna hold ourselves accountable to the public but we also know that there are a finite number of taxpayer dollars. So when there is a gap, it's incumbent upon us to convince donors, corporations or private individuals, of the value that we're trying to create. And I think that's a good thing. It forces us to really talk about the value we're creating for the community and for the state.
0: Speaking of accountability, uh, what is your position your opinion of the accreditation process at this time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know here in San Francisco uh, we had a many years running situation, we'll call it. Complaints and uh, about the the college itself, but then complaints about the accrediting system and the body. Is it time to move from that body or this process? Or are you comfortable with the accountability of the accrediting process?
1: Well, I firmly believe that peer review, which is the accountability structure mm-hmm. that we have, is the best model to have. I think um, having peers review the work of other peers is fundamental to the work that we do. Having said that, you know, we did stray away from uh, some of those um, issues over the last several years and City College San Francisco is a, is a great example. Um, I think we've corrected for those challenges I think the accrediting commission that we have in place now has recognized that they need to change. But we also have to recognize that the public also needs a way to ensure that every college is abiding by similar standards and holding itself accountable. And that's where my job as as a chancellor in the chancellor's office comes in. How do we set up structures in addition to uh, accreditation that ensures that all colleges are being held accountable and our, and that we're helping them be successful. We never want to have a conversation like we did with City College San Francisco again. I think it was damaging to City College as well as the entire system, as well as public education in general. So my hope is that we look at accreditation in terms of how does it support uh, not uh, punish colleges and how does it support them to continually improve themselves and then how does the chancellor's office fit into that to help through technical assistance to help uh, bring to bear resources and to and to be as transparent to the public as possible about what's going on in the local communities that we are all holding ourselves accountable.
0: What are the largest impediments to the individual student who is leaving high school, and not ready for a university, but wants to be successful eventually there and wants to go to a community college or somebody coming back in for retraining or someone who hasn't been in school for a while and needs to get back. There's probably some type of a preparation gap in there somehow. I mean, can you speak mm-hmm. to the to the individual student experience and possibly where community colleges are helping with that transition or maybe where there are obstacles to especially maybe a returning student or a student with language issues um, to be successful?
1: So there's been a lot of work and a lot of uh, progress in this area. Everything from how we measure how well a student is prepared uh, coming right out of high school uh, to how we look at the experience of returning veterans or individuals who've been in the workforce for a long time, may have some college but no credential, Uh, We recognize now that one size does not fit all in our system, and it's unfair to the myriad of students who are coming to us with different needs. What they all want is to acquire skills, skills that allow them to fulfill their goals. So we're doing a lot of work, uh, investing a lot of money into how we do that better. How do we uh, customize education for different learners who are trying to achieve different outcomes to how do we take the information that we have from the K12 system and use that to better predict where a student should be placed what class is the best for them rather than using standardized tests or some other blunt instrument to tell us where they should be so so i'm i'm pleased to see a lot of work going on in our space around that and i think that's a key to help many more of our students be successful
0: is the community college system in california barrier free for Uh, anyone regardless of their uh, legal status in this country? Are there any um, questions or, or requirements that you would ask of someone to prove their status here? Or is it open to everybody?
1: So from our perspective, and let me be very, very clear, the California Community Colleges feels that anyone living in the state of California should be able to access a California Community College. Period. You know, within that framework, there are a number of different logistical issues that we need to work through to help students get the services they need. Uh, for some students who are not documented, they cannot access federal financial aid, but they can access state aid. They can uh, be qualified for uh, in-state tuition versus out-of-state tuition. So there are a number of things that we can and will do for students to help them succeed, but uh, the bottom line is that... Um, Uh, I don't care if they're from Mars. If they're living in the state of California, they can access one of our colleges.
0: Somebody listening right now is thinking, I should go back and get my AA or I should get some skills. Where should they go? What office should they go to at the community college near them to get whatever guidance they need?
1: There are a number of resources that we have available today. So, for example, if uh, somebody wants to think about changing their career, they can go to the California Community College website and pull up the salary surfer. They can get an idea of what different occupations pay and then get an idea of what colleges in their area offer those programs. Uh, the other thing that we're doing is we're creating these um, clear pathways. So we're we're launching a what we call a guided pathway initiative, which is basically to really map out every major, every degree, so that it's very clear to students. If they want to transfer and, and become... Um, a biology major at, uh, at at Berkeley, they have a very clear path and they know what they need to do. And then there's the the issue of cost. Uh, they can visit icanaffordcollege.com, which is sponsored by the California Community Colleges, gives them specific information about how they can afford to go to college and uh, gives them many options on how to apply for aid and what aid is available to, to all of them. Any prospective student, we want them to, not only access the website, but come visit one of our 114 colleges. There are a lot of welcoming people on those 114 colleges that want them to come in, ask questions, and, and we wanna help them get enrolled in the right classes and get them on their way to to their goal.
0: We'll have links uh, to your website on our website, cbssf.com. Thank you, Chancellor Oakley, for joining us on In Depth. It's always great to have that reminder that we have this accessible to us in California.
1: Absolutely. We're here to serve Californians, and uh, we're proud to do so, so thank you for the time.
0: My guest on KCBS In-Depth has been the Chancellor of California's Community Colleges, Eloy Ortiz Oakley. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jane McMillan. You've just heard KCBS In-Depth, a news interview program, Sundays at 8.30 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. And now available for download at kcbs.com. For all news, 740 and FM 1069 KCBS. KCBS Time
1: 558. Time to check traffic and say good morning to Peter Schofield. Well, good morning, John Bristow in Oakland. We're starting uh, Highway 24 westbound before Telegraph Avenue. It's a solo spin-out. It has been cleared out of lanes off to the right-hand shoulder, but I do see on our InstaView monitors where you will slow down as you approach and pass Telegraph Avenue. This is westbound Highway 24 in Oakland. Also in Oakland, 880 southbound before 66 by the Coliseum. It's a non-injury crash. It's blocking the fourth lane from the left and there's a pocket of slow traffic as you pass by that scene in los gatos highway 17 southbound just past lark an earlier injury crash has been cleared and the backup has thinned out your next traffic up all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time